Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's Isaiah Page. It's your boy, Tony Jenkins. And we are here with episode four of House Call. Um, week yeah. 11, doing a week 11 recap. Um, and also, thoughts on Jimbo Fisher. We have to talk about Jimbo Fisher. We didn't bring that up in, before the pod. We need to talk about Jimbo <laughs> Fisher today. We have to talk about Jimbo and A&M. That's that's crazy. We were like we were talking about topics before the pod and completely like we had our week 11 reactions. But um, we, we are definitely going to address Jimbo Fisher getting a fire to A&M. Those will be raw reactions. We haven't prepared anything for that. So you'll just get whatever on your mind when we get there. <laughs> um, Penn State also fired their offensive coordinator after the Michigan loss. Penn State did fire their offensive coordinator after the Michigan loss. Um, Michigan's offensive coordinator slash head coach got on um got on live TV boohooing after the game. Um, so that was interesting to see as well. Um, and speaking of Michigan, that's actually the game that uh we we have at the top here. Uh, so for those of you that didn't miss it, that uh didn't catch it, one of the games of the day going into it at least, uh, was Penn State uh, hosting Michigan. Michigan went on to win this game 24 to 15. Um, Michigan's, uh, Penn State's offense was predictably awful. <laughs> as as you just mentioned, as Tony just mentioned, they fired their offensive coordinator the day after. Um, probably, probably could have done it like two weeks ago. Um, wouldn't have made much of a difference, I don't think, but whatever. Yep, Mike Yurkich, out of a job. Mike Yurkich, Mike Yurkich, that's his name. Um, so yeah, Penn State's offense, like we said, predictably bad. Uh, I guess good and bad news was Michigan's wasn't much better, but that felt more. If you like watch the game, like Michigan's offense wasn't particularly good, but I don't. I, it felt like more choice than anything to me. Like they, they just. They weren't much better because they didn't have to be, not because they couldn't be. 100%. Like, J.J. McCarthy didn't even have to be an X factor this game for them to dominantly win the game. Um, both of their running backs had great games, and Blake Corum had an outstanding week. Um, well, his, number, his numbers were 26 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns, and I think Donovan Edwards scored and had over 50 rushing yards. So, um Michigan just continues to prove they physical. No matter what, they gon' they're gonna strong arm your team. <laughs> like they're gonna line up. They want to play smash mouth ball on both sides. And uh, Penn State didn't have anything for them. even though like their backfield isn't trash. Their backfield isn't bad at all. They have two good running backs. Well, I mean, I think Drew Aller threw for seventy passing yards, dog. And, yeah. 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 They're um. I I think uh. McCarthy he threw for he threw eight passes um connected on seven or six of them I don't have his numbers right in front of me for whatever reason one second I think McCarthy threw for less passing yards than um Drew Allen did he threw, <laughs> you you were being generous actually he threw for sixty yards <laughs> that's, what so, that's what McCarthy threw for Drew threw for seventy yards but here's the difference between <laughs> what Drew Drew seventy and McCarthy's sixty McCarthy McCarthy only tried to throw eight he only threw eight times he completed seven Drew Aller threw the ball twenty two times <laughs> <laughs> bro that is so bad like bro. After the Ohio State game, 
it was a lot of talk about this Penn State offense, but there was still a lot of respect for James Franklin and his team, bro. After this game in the press conference, James Franklin was asked about some controversial controversial offensive decisions made um, in the clutch because they weren't necessarily being blown out at any time in the game. But Michigan maintained control, and Aller also put the ball in danger. So they asked Franklin about certain decisions not to go for it on fourth down, and his answers weren't adding up, bro. I can't lie to you. Um, and it, it was so bad that the media, the press, they were asking him, Coach, like, what sense does that make after after he responded? And Franklin, he responded with, I mean, you don't have to like what I told you, but this this was my answer. <laughs> like, so it it was definitely some confusion in delay between the coach and staff. I know that it probably got heated after a game that was that big, and they had already played Ohio State with, I'm talking about, minimal offensive production. So it's it's a lot of clearing up that needs to go down in Happy Valley, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, to kind of, I mean, to last week we talked about when we were predicting this game, and we said, you know, there was like there was a route for for um Penn State to maybe figure out offense. It was, but we said it. Was, we also said it was highly unlikely. Um, you know, we don't rule out anything. Um, so, you know, of course, there's always a route for it. But we did say it was highly unlikely. And I think a key thing we mentioned was it was very hard to get that Ohio State performance out of your mind. Um, and, I mean, they they showed why. They they showed them I mean, straight up that's just who they are. That's who they are as an offensive football team right now. It's, it's bad. Um, what I will say is um, – in a game where it felt like Michigan just kept things very basic offensively, they didn't have to try to open the open the offense up to really do anything against Penn State. They still ran the ball really effectively. Um, to your point, yeah, I mean they ran and and like Penn State's a good a good defense with a good defensive front, and they still ran the ball very like I think they've ran the ball. I mean they've run the ball well all year. There, that's what they do, but we I mean we've talked about it before like they haven't ran the ball quite as effectively this season as we've seen in the last two years now I'm not saying they're bad not saying they've fallen off but it's just not quite what it was last year because it was really good the last two years you yeah. know exceptional exceptional right. right and um it just hasn't been quite as good this year um but it it showed on it showed on Saturday they dominated both lines of scrimmage um, and I mean, like I said, Corum rushed for 150 and two touchdowns that uh, we talked about him in the Heisman. I know we're going to talk about Heisman later on, but we talked about Corum and the Heisman touched on him. He had very high odds a couple a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago. If he if he rushes like that against Ohio State, watch out. Watch out, bro. Like I'm saying, Penn State's defense is the best side of the ball, and they've had a, they've had the best defense on paper at least. And we can't even say on paper now. We're deep into the season this is the best defense that James Franklin's had um outside of a superstar player like a Michael Parsons this team is complete on the defensive side of the ball Michigan completely annihilated that like they manhandled the Penn State's trenches on offense and defense and Michigan's offensive line is exceptional but like I know they won O-line of the year the past two seasons this bro, I was watching the Penn State game and some of those blocking schemes, like they had tackles and guards pulling. I'm talking about moving, dog, <laughs> opening up holes, 
truck could go through that, bro. And so, the execution is just the execution is beautiful to watch. It's beautiful. I'm not gonna lie, that that people will tell you that that game didn't show them much, or uh, Michigan didn't have to play a good offensive game. Now that was a great offensive game by Michigan. You showed a person like me that you don't have to throw the ball against great defenses. <laughs> You don't, and we can still play not necessarily one-dimensional, but, hey, it's one-dimensional when all you're doing is ground-pound offense and uh, playing smash-mouth, dog. So I respect it, I respect it, and I, I think coming out of this game, I do think that Michigan's team is a little better when it comes to just my outlook on them. Yeah, yeah no, nah, Michigan Michigan averaged almost five yards a carry yesterday. Like, they didn't – and like let's not get confused. They didn't have to throw the ball. Not to be confused with that they couldn't. They didn't yes. have to. Throw the ball. One one. I mean, Roman Roman Wilson didn't. I don't think he logged a single stat. My goodness. Like what? Like how crazy does it sound, bro? It, especially just with it being modern day football where the passing game and vertical game is emphasized more than ever when it comes yeah, to exactly, exactly. Um so yeah, I think they uh I think they kept things pretty vanilla. I think it was a very good victory for Michigan. I think they kind of showed that, yeah, like we haven't had the strongest schedule. We've had a lot of um of controversy surrounding the program, but we're focused. Um I yeah. think it was, I think it was a statement win uh by Michigan. Um on to what we were also talking about at the top of the show. Um if you missed it on the post game interview, uh, interim head coach and Michigan offensive coordinator Sharon Moore, uh, he um, he he got on the mic during you know right after the game, fresh off you know displaying a ton of emotion. He was, I don't want to say sobbing, but he was he was crying pretty hard. Um, very a lot. A lot. But yeah, yeah, it was very emotional. Like you could see the tears rolling down his face. He was calling out to Jim Harbaugh, said, I love you, you know, dropped a couple of F-bombs in there. Um, I don't know. Personally, it felt a little like, I guess, a little overboard, a little performative. Um, the, the, I, the, I'll just say the one way I feel about it, I like, I don't ever, I guess, have too much of a problem with people showing emotions, whether I agree with it or not. It's not my place to say. The only thing I have a problem with is it felt like, it just felt like Michigan has a real chance to go grab the villain role. Like, it's there for you to play. You just, you, your coach was just suspended, and the, you know, the entire Big Ten's against you. You're getting action on an investigation that hasn't even finished yet, and yet you still went out there in the biggest game of the year up to this point on the road against a top 10 team, whether you want to consider Penn State worthy of being top 10 or not, whatever, it's still top 10 team in a very tough place to play, and you dominated them. Like, I know the score was, what, 24-15, like a nine-point game, like it, it's not all that big of a difference. No, Michigan dominated that game straight film up. Tells, film tells a lot more than the numbers do to score. Exactly. So I, it just feels like Michigan has a great opportunity to take this villain role and run with it. And I mean, it's that's just that ain't how you do it, dog. Man, straight up. <laughs> what else to say? <laughs> Embracing anybody the role that everybody is kind of against you in your conference and you still have to compete week to week and prove that you're one of the best teams in the country. With, with you being the top four team already and having that re respect all year, 
it's really no need to display that to the public. Now, if you want to go cry to your team, the, the boys that you care about so much in the locker room, that's that's still, I don't want to say it's pushing it because every coach has their style of coaching, but, dog, save, you got to save that from the cameras, dog. That ain't you, the world out here. <laughs> I don't want to say they not on y'all's side either, but they want to see what's the, what the truth is when it comes to the legal situation going on or the cheating scandal. Um as an interim head coach, if you want to shout out your head coach, I respect that. I respect you being in place of him and and representing and leading his group of men. That is y'all's group of men as a staff. But, bro, keep it player. Real talk. Keep it player. Keep nah, it player. Exactly. I mean, like I said, personally, I'm not really in the way, in, in the position to tell somebody they right or wrong for the way they displayed their emotions in a certain moment. But, I mean, you know, it was a little bit too much for me. Like, I agree. Uh, I feel like it's a time and a place. And I feel like, like I said, if it, I, I mean, I'm just speaking from a term where if it was me, I feel like, you know, you kind of want to embrace that villain role and embrace people and, and let them know, like, yeah, you know, we're still here to compete. We're still here to um, you know, to to accomplish all of our goals that we set out, no matter who's against us, no matter what you think we need, no matter what you think we did, you know, like at the end of the day, we're just a better football team to you. And they have a chance to embrace that. And they showed it like straight up, showed it. And it just felt like, you know, you had a chance to, to step up and embrace that. You know, I I, I was telling telling our boy, uh, our boy Trey, for, for those of y'all that aren't familiar with the vibe, um, I was telling Trey, it, I remember when the Astros got caught cheating and Carlos Correa was like, I'll do it again. Like, That's what I'm talking about, though. I can respect that. <laughs> you got to stand on your business, man. I can respect that. You know you're wrong. I'll do it again. <laughs> if you're going to play a role, like, own up to it. Whatever. 100%. And we didn't do it, but I'll do it again. <laughs> bro. Like, like you're saying, put your brand on full display, rep your brand, embody your brand. And and leave leave all of the extracurricular activities to the outside. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So yeah, not nah, that I mean that's that's pretty much my thoughts on it though. Um it'll be interesting to see how how Michigan approaches next their their I think they have one more game. Yeah. So they play Maryland this weekend in Maryland. Um and then Ohio State. People probably call this a trap game. It's not a trap game in Maryland. I'm, nah, baby, baby, Tua, Tua's little brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, I'm not. We're not gonna rule it out completely, completely. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if, like, I mean, every year, you know, you think Maryland might knock off somebody, but this just does not feel like a good matchup for Maryland and Michigan. It feels like Michigan's just not happy. <laughs> and handle the boys. <laughs> Um, so on to uh onto our next game that we're covering. This one was an absolute shocker to me. Like I I couldn't believe the outcome of this game. Um Missouri played Tennessee in what I called potentially last week the game of the week. Boy, was I wrong. Um to Missouri, I mean Missouri just stepped on Tennessee 36 to 7. I'm um, talking about the worst way though. 
Yeah, and it like it felt like it. Like Tennessee was never consistent in the game. Tennessee had nothing going all day. Um, I said, I mean, I said on the prediction show. I mean, I said on prediction, I predicted Tennessee to win. Um, and but I predicted uh that you know I said Missouri obviously could win the game once again. We don't rule anything out. Um, but they when I said that they could win, they even when they won, they didn't do it in the fashion that I thought they would. Um. I mean, Brady Cook, he threw, he still threw for, um, I think, like 270-something yards, which is a great game. Um, I mean, Luther Burden, he did that with Luther Burden having a very minimal impact on the game as well. Um, but that being said, Cody Schrader, I mean, he just, he had his weight. He went for, I think, what, 220 against Tennessee's front. And I said, you know, I was very adamant last week that Tennessee, on paper, should control the ball Um and should control the game in the trenches. And they didn't do it on either side of the ball because Tennessee also only ran for 83 yards. And they were averaging 220-something yards a game coming into this. So, I mean, Missouri just dominated them on both sides of the ball. Completely dominated, bro. Tennessee got out physical all, all across the board. Um, I'm going to take it back to a few weeks ago. Before Tennessee played Alabama, me and they were having just a little bit of football talk, man. And I like to just say that, in the SEC and in any P5 conference, any conference in general, bro, when you have these divisional rivalries or cross-divisional rivalries, some teams like to put on a face for certain teams that are better than them. Like a team such as Tennessee walks into a Brian Denny Stadium and they play up <laughs> at least for the first half until the, the true colors come to light. And you get down to – what is it, week 12, and Missouri comes to Knoxville. Or, no, they went to Columbia, Missouri. They went to Como. Missouri coming off of this Georgia loss, but still but still embracing the fact that they're a great football team or a good football team. They – I'm talking about they – gave, they gave Tennessee the business, bro. Like, Cody Schrader had the best football game of his life. Um, He had 100 and no. – he had 116 receiving yards off of five catches and a touchdown outside of going over 200 on the ground, rushing and taking over 30 carries, bro. So, like, it, it was like we're going to play through Cody. Uh, Burgeon's banged up. Let's not even do all that versus Tennessee. And Joe Milton and his his weapons had no answer for it, dog. <laughs> they didn't. And, I mean, Milton still threw for 267 yards, but it was just inconsistent. Like, they could never get anything going. They couldn't really – I mean – struggled to kind of push the ball down the field um but I, I mean I just once again I'm I'm shocked that Tennessee struggled to run the ball the way they did um we uh I was I was bragging on Tennessee and I don't I don't brag on Tennessee very often <laughs> um and I bet I was bragging on Tennessee before the game saying that you know Tennessee is not one of those teams that you know some teams are fake running teams like they'll tell you they want to run the football but they don't really mean it, you know, like Lincoln Riley's had a couple of those teams in the past where it's like he'll tell you, you know, yeah, we want to run the football this year. He doesn't really mean it. Ryan Day in the past has had those teams. Um, and, you know, and I was saying like this year, Tennessee's not one of those teams. You know, Tennessee will actually run the football. They actually like to run the ball. And boy, I mean, was, I was wrong. <laughs> Straight up. They just they just proved me wrong. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I'm just, like, turns out they don't want to run the ball with their running turns back. Turns out. <laughs> like, bro, because I think, what is their back? Their back's name is what, Jalen Wright? Jalen Wright? Um, uh, Yes, Jalen Wright. Oh, he's had some pretty solid games this year, but <laughs> who are you playing? Like, who, who, who are we going up against? Like, 
Tennessee will bring a good game plan to a bad team. And I don't understand what you're bringing into the big games outside of the Alabama game when they wanted to show up and show out at first and play up. But um, really, like, I hate to do this to a team, but they showed me a lot when they went down to that swamp and let ETN's little brother run for over 150 yards on them. Bro, oh, <laughs> it was really – that 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 was a disgraceful loss. <laughs> like – and it was one of those weird games, though, too, like where, you know, going into the day, like uh, there were a lot of people circling it, like straight up, like, you know, or a lot of people kind of looking at it, you know, like, oh, this could this could be an interesting matchup. So um, and then another observation is Tennessee just hasn't been good on the road this year. Um, this year, I mean, they've, they've lost uh, they've lost three games so far this year, Florida, Alabama and Missouri, all three of those are on the road. The only road game they've won on the season is Kentucky. Yeah. Well, everybody, hey. everybody, well, except for Florida. <laughs> Not everybody. <laughs> Not everybody's won in Kentucky. Um, yeah, they, they a lot it. of people have won in Kentucky this year, though. Um, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. Tennessee just hasn't played well on the road. Um, we'll see what's in store for them. As far as Missouri, um, as far as Missouri goes, they've got uh Florida and, and Arkansas coming up. I'm really impressed with with once again just I can't I can't say enough how impressed I am um with Missouri just the way they controlled both lines of scrimmage. Um, Cody Schrader is somebody that's been you know on a lot of people's people's radar uh lately. Um, and once again, he had just a great game, over 300 all-purpose yards. I mean, what are we doing? Like like Tony said, over 100 receiving yards, over 200 on the ground. Um, absolutely killing. Uh, yeah, like, touchdowns on both facets, man. Touchdowns. Two exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be – it was nice to see Missouri be able to, to kind of show um, – you know that they are amongst the really good football teams in in college football. That is a game right there that a really good football team goes out and win. After you lose a, a tough one on the road to you know arguably the best team in the nation right now, um, can you come back and can you you know kind of pick yourself up against a, a decent a, a a not decent team? Tennessee's a good team in relative to all the other teams in college football and. Can you pick yourself up and get ready for a game like that? And I mean, they did more than pick themselves up. So uh, that's an impressive win from Tennessee um, or from from Missouri over Tennessee. Um, and yeah, really impressed. That's all I can say. Hundred percent, bro. That's it. Like when it comes to that game, I've I've thought Missouri was a. I don't want to say great. I thought Missouri was a good team all season. One of the better teams that they've ever had. Um, really. Um, like last year in last year, Georgia went to Como and almost lost. I'm talking about snapped the game up, had a great fourth quarter, end up winning. And even last week, I think Schrader rushed for over a hundred yards. They played us physical. We only won by what ten. Um, so they they're a solid team, definitely. Brady Cook is a good quarterback. Uh, Burden Schrader. The OEs that they have good players. They have NFL talent on that roster. So it must respect the Como. <laughs> Much respect. Hundred percent. Um. So on to our third game. Talk about Washington versus Utah. Uh, this was a three thirty p.m. kick on Fox. Uh, 
Washington, this game ended up being a little closer than I thought it was going to be. I'm not surprised necessarily. Um, Washington ended up winning 35 to 28 over Utah um, in a game in which they were 10 point favorites at home. Um, I thought originally I thought Washington would do a little more uh, to pull away from Utah, um, but their defense was just once again not necessarily getting the job done. Um, you know, even I mean, they even couldn't get out of their own way, had a dropped. They had a pick six in their hands that um, their defender uh, dropped right there on his way into the end zone, dropped it uh, kind of well before the goal line. I'm not going to lie, like or on, on the three yard line, bro. Like, that's so terrible, bro. <laughs> really wasn't close. Um, oh. So, uh, so, yeah, they're going to they're going to need to, you know, shore the defense up moving forward. But. Um, I mean, nevertheless, you know, it's it's still a good win over a good team. You know, we can't hold uh we we can't hype Utah up after beating teams like USC, um, you know, or hype Oregon up for beating Utah bad and then not, you know, give them the same grace when they go out there and compete with a team like Washington, I think. So um, you know, not not necessarily surprised at the outcome, um, but uh explosive explosive offensive performance from Washington. Straight up. Um, Penix had another Heisman performance, 300-yard day, um, three total touchdowns, one on the ground, two through the air. Um, Romo Doozy, bro, like th this dude played ball. I'm telling you, bro, <laughs> as a receiver, he's a great, great vertical threat, bro. Only three grabs, but he he had over 100 yards, 111 yards, what, two touchdowns. Um, and when it comes to the season, I think – He's well over a thousand yards now. Uh, I haven't checked his total when it comes to touchdowns and yards after that game, but um, I think it'll probably be close to ten touchdowns, twelve hundred, eleven hundred yards. But uh, Utah brought their a game. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I labeled this a trap game just because I knew Utah is a physical enough football team to be able to step to anybody's roster and try to bang out. But what what we stuck to last part was we don't know where the offense is going to come from. And the offense came out the blue. <laughs> they came to play. Um, the quarterback who is – he's quarterback too, but he he manned the job up all season because Cam Rising has been hurt. Um, so he's been a QB1, and he had a he had an exceptional game, dog, outside of the two interceptions that he threw, which were bad. Like we're saying, one pick six, Washington – threw on the ground before scoring. And that's just mental errors that I don't want to say kids make, but, bro, like, we got to be better, bro. We got to go score. Uh, that's your money. Take it home, bro, straight up. Um, but Bryson Barnes threw for 267 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so, like, they had a receiver who had five catches for 145 yards in the Devonville. So, Utah brought their A game, dog. Uh, I I just knew that they would come out and play Washington hard, just because the Pac-12 is competitive, dog. These past two seasons might have been some of the best Pac-12 years that we've ever seen. Um, while they've been the Pac-12, so um, you know, with this season, you got a Washington team, an Oregon team, and you don't want to just shrug off the other teams who are ranked and just say the other ranked teams, but hey, it's too many, it's too many of them. The other ranked teams, bro, they, they all come to play. And even the ones that are unranked, they have NFL talent on the board, dog. So uh, shout out, shout out Washington for making it out of that game. Um, it was in Seattle. So 
like we were saying, they're just trying to make it the rivalry week at this point and <laughs> get to play Wazoo. But they play Oregon State, I think, this week, which isn't going to be just a pushover. Bro, I think Oregon State put up like 60 points this past week. Bro. On Stanford, yeah. They beat State. They... Yeah. Yeah, so Washington, it, it, it's not going to be the easiest path to the conference championship for them. So, hey, every win counts, dog. The Pac-12 is not light, bro. Um, I respect everything they're doing. Oregon State is 12 in the country when it comes to the last playoff rankings. Um, So, Hey, we're gonna see we're gonna see how that falls for him, dog. But I think Penix is not I don't want to say he's the front runner of the Heisman, but he's my favorite. Um when it comes to just being quarterback and the leader of the team that your team will not be good without you. Uh, he he's the centerpiece around that offense. So hey, um I, I love I love what Coach Kalen DeBoer has going in Seattle, man. Not gonna lie to y'all. Yeah. One hundred percent, he can coach. Um, yeah, they, it, it's a really fun team to watch. You know, I was talking about the defense earlier, but if you look at the other side of the ball, I mean, it, those playmakers they are they are fun to watch. Um, you know, they they get after it, they get after the ball. Um, you know, to your point, uh, Rome, he's got he's at eleven hundred receiving yards on the season, up to nine touchdowns now. Um, he had over a hundred yards on the year. Jalen Polk, he um he had fifty yards on or he had a hundred yards on Saturday, excuse me. Um Jalen Polk had uh fifty yards on Saturday. Um, you know, and they and Polk's there was still a two, you know, two other guys on the team that had more more yards than Polk. And he he's you know, the second biggest second best playmaker on the team. Oh, um, so so that offense is really fun to watch the way they stretch the field vertically um you know i do i have slight concerns about them in corvallis this weekend but i think they'll be okay we'll preview that a little later this week um but yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun game um, that's gonna be serious my goodness corvallis should hopefully get up to that one um what time is that game have they announced it yet I don't know if they have announced it. Um, but yeah, Corvallis should get up for that game. And uh, hey, seven thirty ABC. Seven thirty ABC. Yep. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. That's gonna be a good game. That's gonna be a great game. My goodness. A night game in Corvallis to send them out of the Pac-12. They get Washington and Oregon. That's the last. That's the last Pac-12 home game for for Oregon State, isn't it? They play Oregon and Eugene. I think they have Oregon and Eugene. That's the game, bro. That's crazy, dog. I can't believe the Pac-12 is disassembling, bro. <laughs> heartbreaker. That is a heartbreaker. Um, but yeah. So uh, we'll see about Washington moving forward. But uh, once again, good W by them. Um, uh, Utah. I mean, started, I guess, figure out some things offensively, but um, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. I don't even know who Utah finishes out the season. So they have Arizona this weekend. Should be an interesting game. That'll be uh, at Arizona and then they end the season with Colorado at their place. So um, on to our next game on the day we have. Florida State uh versus Miami. This was um 
Miami made this interesting. It, it looked like Florida State had, and we'll I'll talk about this in a minute. I have a couple thoughts on Florida State. I don't know if I believe in them as much as uh their record may show, um, or their ranking may show rather, uh, just personally, but um you know, they they looked like they were gonna pull away a couple times and Miami hung around. Um personally, uh FSU just for me, they haven't been they haven't been dominant for 60 minutes um yet. And um I I mean it it I know it's Miami, I know it's a rivalry game, but Florida State's a better football team than Miami. And you're getting them at home, you're getting them when they're kind of down, they they don't really like it, it's kind of different they don't really have anything to draw on right like they're, they're coming off a tough loss against the nc state their the quarterback tyler van dyke is just, just straight up not good um mm -hmm. yeah and then emory williams he's i mean he's young he's 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 a young guy that doesn't thrown have, in the fire right thrown in the fire doesn't have a lot of experience um you know they I mean, they, they don't have a ton to draw on. They're not a bad football team, no, but they don't have a ton to draw on. And it just felt like if you're Florida State, you could have flexed your muscles. Now, that being said, they still came away with wins, and they're still winning. And until they lose, like, you can't take that away from them. And I'm not arguing that. Um, but I I don't know how I feel about the stock of Florida State come long long term when they get into – you know, a potential playoff matchup or even a big time ACC championship game or maybe even a couple weeks in the swamp. Um, you know, who knows what it what it could be like. Um, but one thing you can't argue is that they know that or they they know how to win and they know how to win close games. Um, but once again, I just I think it is quite I I I think it can show signs of concern that in for the future that they I mean they just can't seem to really pull away and you you know beat the other team. Hundred percent. Hundred percent though. Like I I mean I'm a I'm a shout out Coach Mike Norville just because like, he's ten he's ten and no this is fourth year at Florida State. Every year they've gotten better record wise three and six in twenty twenty five and seven in twenty one ten and three last year. And he's already ten and no this year, but like like you're saying, Zay, I'm not the biggest Jordan Travis fan because I've seen him um play without all of this talent surrounding him, and like you're saying, even with the talent surrounding him, you get in the heated games and controversial, real, real. I I don't want to say. I hate to say that a game like this is a huge game, but bro, it's a rock. Ivory is college football. This is where the magic happens. But uh, Jordan Travis isn't necessarily the guy that I would want the ball to be <laughs> having. I, I don't want the game in his hands. It's as simple as that. I, I don't, bro. Um, outside of the LSU game, which I think is the best game that he's ever played as a college player, as a as a quarterback, um, the Clemson game showed me that they do have the ability to flip the switch when playing bad. Um, like, I don't want to say that Clemson is extremely worse than them because they're not supposed to be on paper, but dog, uh, they, they were not winning that entire game. They were down playing from behind the whole game, had to take it to overtime, but ended up getting out of there with a victory and with, with their best players making plays. Um, so like what I take away from this game is Coleman and Wilson played, but they weren't necessarily 
primetime, big-time factors. They didn't have crazy numbers. Uh, Trey Benson didn't go over 100 yards on the ground. Travis threw for 265 yards. But like we're saying, like Miami is not even on an equal playing field when it comes to talent, when it comes to roster depth at Florida State. Miami has had some gut-wrenching losses this season that really can take away all of the confidence that that goes into your week-to-week preparation for your team. Not to say it should, not to say that as competitors, you shouldn't want to go out there and eat your food every week that's on the plate. But, dog, Miami's not the better team. Florida State's the better team. Play them at home. Big rivalry game. You could embarrass your rivals if you wanted to. Like, go out there and take it from them. Straight up, let them know that y'all are not on our level. But Miami hung around, dog, with the backup quarterback who hasn't started. Well, he's he's might have had playing time or experience this season. But sure. Miami was like, dog, y'all ain't no better than us. We're going to give our all. We're going to try to ruin y'all season. Why not? And uh, we're we going to leave it at that, bro. Um, Miami, like we saying, in, in games like this, when you're the less – when you're the last team, when it comes to talent, you have to play a perfect game to win. And Miami just had some – they had some defensive miscues. <laughs> just reminding you that they are not the better team. And, um, like, even though they're capable of playing at a high, high level, they just couldn't get it done. Yeah. And I will say, like, relative to, I guess, pure talent, Miami has – I mean, Miami stacks up talent-wise, but they're young. Their talent is really young. And that's, you know, there are like, there, I mean, talent wise, you know, we will say like they do stack up. I think it was even Pate was saying on his show last night, if I recall correctly, like according to, you know, the 247 sports talent model that they're, they're really, you know, Miami's the more talented team, quote unquote, but all that talent is freshmen. Crystal ball just got there. So, you know, they're either really not on the field or they're they're not playing. So it doesn't mean like it's not an indication on Miami in the future. But right now, Miami is not the better football team, period. And um, you would just in Florida. And, and it's only a concern because it's not the first time Florida State's done this. Um, you know, they did it early on in the season against Boston College. They did it, you know, a couple weeks ago against Pitt, um, you know, now Miami. Uh, so, you know, even Duke, the Duke game was really questionable. I know, and Duke's not a bad football team, but they did get Duke at home. And the Duke game was really questionable until, until Riley Leonard went down. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's not Florida State's first time doing this this season. Um, and, and, and yeah, I just, that's, that's my only concern with them moving forward, not taking away from the victory, not taking away from what they've done this year. Once again, it's, I, I think if they went out there, they're, they're going to be in the playoffs. I'm not saying they don't deserve any of those opportunities. Um, you know, there is some there. I mean, the flip side of that is like, like I said, they know how to win and they know how to face adversity. And they, and like you said, Tony, they know how to, uh, they, they know how to turn it on when they're not clicking, you know, when they actually, when they absolutely have to have it, they know how to go get it. And there is something to that. Like there, there are teams that have been wildly successful by just knowing how to do that. Like there's something to knowing how to win when you have to don't like, I'm not saying that there isn't, but um, there's also something to being able to go out there and just show somebody you're a better football team. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, so, so we'll see what prevails. Yeah, ex- exactly. But hundred percent. I saw, I saw some talks on Twitter, uh, Florida State fans saying, I'm kind of glad that we don't just blow everybody out. Um, so we know how to win from behind or win 
with making mistakes. So in the future, we can try to prevent those in the bigger games, which I get. I understand that sounds good, but like you're saying, bro, it, it's it's cool to go out there and spank some. It's it's cool to go out there and spank kids when they're not on your level, bro. Competition is competition, dog. And sometimes you want to go out there and dominate and literally click on all cylinders. But hey, if the time for that for a Florida State team who's highly talented is in the biggest games of the year, hey, I'm I, I'm. I'm going to be in tune. I'm going to be here to watch them play the best ball when it comes to these, these final weeks of the regular season. And if they get their postseason ticket to the final four, I'm going to be here to watch it. Exactly. Now with back to Miami, like you're saying, I'm big on Mario Cristobal. I love the way he recruits though. Like Mario Cristobal can recruit. If you didn't pay attention to him at Oregon, he had some talent on those teams though. They might not have won a, a, a Pac-12 championship and make a final four appearance but dog his team his teams the players that were on it there it's a lot of nfl players that are in the league now that played for mario cristobal at oregon and he was the dude who took took over after it was kind of disastrous post chip kelly bro it, it didn't really get back to being a high level brand until cristobal took over and left his mark and he made way for a coach like Dan Lanning to be there. But down in Miami where the U holds so much weight and hasn't in a while in a while or a long time, I think Cristobal being a Miami Hurricane alumni, he's going to be able to transform that into something that's good and great when it comes to the future. But like you're saying, as far as the recruits that he's brought in to this point, they have young talent. But it's more to it when it comes to playing week to week getting your reps in and uh, experience is going to be on your side when you're a fresh head coach and you're trying to implement your culture and brand of a program. So just give Miami some time, everybody. I think they're going to have a presence in the ACC very soon. It's just not the year this year. They would have had to play a perfect game. What I did take away was, like we're saying, they have ball players now and those trenches, those trenches can bang out with anybody, bro. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Hey, um, outside, yeah, outside of that, hey, Florida State, that was y'all's game win. I'm glad you got out of there. Um, let's let's see how it goes. I got big eyes on that game when it comes to the swamp at the end of the season. Yeah, I think that's a game that a lot of people might not really pay attention to or I, you know, a couple weeks out. But um, you know, once once again, like Florida State is the better team right now another chance for Florida State to go on the road and flex their muscles, but will they? And maybe really? they, there's a route that they save it for the last for the last game of the season. But I mean Florida's not just gonna lay down to their biggest rival at home. I'll tell you that much. Florida has big Florida has the talent to play big. Florida's not a bad in big games as well. They show that during the, no no they they have miscues. They have a little bit of issues but they can they can click their fingers and say you know what let's just ruin our rivals state season right so we'll yeah we'll we'll be previewing that game don't worry but um as for Miami Miami's got Louisville um this weekend that'll be a tough matchup maybe a chance to ruin some playoff hopes for Louisville um if Louisville once again if Louisville wins out they've got Miami and then they've got Kentucky um, you know, which is obviously out of conference game, but if Louisville wins out, you know, and gets to that ACC championship game with one loss, it's set up a, a playoff game with Florida State. Um, 
So a uh, big game for Louisville or for Miami this weekend at home versus Louisville. See, see if they can figure something out there. I think Emory Williams is done for the year. Uh, got hurt actually on the last drive as Miami was going down to try to tie or win the game. Um, got hurt and they put him in an air cast. He was he had some tears in his eyes coming off the field. Um, I've seen. Uh, but I think it. Um, I think he's probably done for the year. It felt like the writing was on the wall. So, um, we'll see if they go with Van Dyke. Probably. Um, and if George they go, Brown. if that's the if that's the option at quarterback for the rest of the year, I doubt they beat Louisville on Saturday. Straight up, straight up. So, uh, it's enough for Tallahassee. Um, on to our last game that we previewed last week. Um, I, I didn't have any notes on this one really. <laughs> Score spoke for itself. UGA played Ole Miss. Um, I actually didn't write the game down, the final score down. What was it? 50? I know it was like 52 to 17, was it? Yeah, that, that was it. 52 17. Top of my head. Come on now, stop playing. Um, 52 17, Georgia. Um, I mean, just absolute domination. There's I no way, no other way around it. Tone, I'll let you take this one. No, oh, man, I had a feeling that this was going to be a statement game. Not to say that people disrespect Georgia, not to say that people are talking down on Georgia, but, bro, um, we played Missouri, and Missouri's a hell of a ball club, but that wasn't enough for some people. They, they still want to say that. We haven't played anybody, which I could understand about the first half of the season. But like like I mentioned on the first pod we ever had, this is our gauntlet. This this road to the SEC championship, this road to the postseason, this is our gauntlet. This is the this is as good as it's gonna get. Yeah. Bro. So um a Florida, Missouri, uh Ole Miss, a Tennessee, that that's as good as it's gonna get for us this season as far as the regular season. We play who's in front of us and Ole Miss is the best team on our schedule this season. And hey, bro, 52 to 17, that's exactly what I needed to see. My goodness, bro. Like, I, I hate to sound like a fan that's biased, but bro, like, come on, dog. Carson Beck, he continues to prove to me that he's gonna be an elite quarterback if he already isn't on the brink of it, bro. Another 300 yard game. I saw Kendall Milton's best game as a running back for Georgia, dog. Kendall Milton broke 100 yards and had two touchdowns, dog. Like, bro, that does not happen, bro. Like, Kendall Milton was number one back in his class from California. I've been waiting on him to have some type of breakout scene situation. Like, DeJon Edwards, he's a great ball player. He He's very – He's very elusive when it comes to his vision, when it comes to the cuts that he can make. And even with the size that he has, he breaks tackles and he gets uh he gets run after after contact. But dog, K Milton is built to be somebody's franchise running back. And we haven't necessarily been able to see the best of him with a lot of injuries on his plate. Dog, he he had a over a hundred yard game, two touchdowns. I was very happy with Cape Mills' performance, bro. And it was a few weeks back where, like they mentioned earlier, our homeboy Trey, our dog Trey, I told him, I said, bro, Kendall Milton, I'm not betting on Kendall Milton to do nothing. I, he gonna have to show me, though. Like, and this is this is my team we're talking about. Like, straight up, I want to see Kendall Milton put it on the grass before I just say, oh yeah, he about to go out there and do this and do that. And these these past three games, Kendall Milton has showed up for what he's been needed for a dog and this past game versus Ole Miss where I'm looking at it like Judkins is the best 
running back on the field. Kendall Milton showed up and played great football, dog. Um, it was our senior night. Um, it, it was a it was a great game for Georgia, dog. Six hundred and eleven yards of total offense. Um, Carson Beck distributed the ball across the entire arsenal of weapons. Um, Brock Bowers taking snaps is really just wild to me, dog. I thought that they would be like, listen, bro, you come back for the postseason, which is respectable. Like, rehabbing, get back as close to 100% as possible. But, like, they say, I think I think Brock Bowers had, had surgery 26 or 27 days before this Ole Miss game, and he was on the field taking real snaps and scored a touchdown, dog. Like, it don't get any better than that. Lat McConkie had a hell of a game. Um, bro, this team, they just – with Kirby's leadership, they continue to prove to me that they are just competitors, dog competitors, and they're not necessarily going to back down from anybody. Um, when it comes to the first drive of the game, though, that might be our weakest part of, of a football game of the 60-minute contest. But the adjustments that are made um, prior to – or the adjustments that are made after little gimmicky or gimmick-like mistakes are made it, bro, I, I don't want to say I'm comfortable with who we have as a team on both sides of the ball, but it's like, bro, this this is us now. We've shown our identity as a football team for the 2023 season, and uh, I'm ready just to continue to compete and see what these boys got in store for postseason fate, bro. Um, so the youth on defense also stepped up. The secondary had another great game, bro. Um, I think Humphreys went down with an injury. I don't know if that's going to be long-term, short-term, but I know we have players that are going to have to step up and play ball. We had some youth when it comes to our linebackers have their first games of the season. Um, I think what C.J. Allen, I think, is a true freshman who started at linebacker in place of Dumas Johnson, who is an exceptional linebacker. He had a great game, dog. Like we said, they gave, we gave up 17 points to a Lane Kiffin offense. Um, I, I can't complain, dog. Great, great, great ball game from the offensive line. Man, we limited Judkins on defense. I, after that first drive, I was like, I'm not sure how this football game is about to go. Like, Judkins might be out here on, on timing. But, dog, uh, we, we, we contained that we limited his success. I can't complain, bro. Dominant win, uh, clinching the SEC East. Um, me and Zay have been talking all year, like, we're going to see each other in the SEC championship. We're going to get our Alabama-Georgia Classic, bro, and which I always would say is not a rivalry. But when it comes to recent history, shoot, ain't nobody in the SEC been greater than us, our two teams. So when it comes to competing in that championship game, it's kind of an honor to see each other and just put the best on the line. Like, whoever wins, we know we're going to have a bet, uh, great chance at taking the whole thing home so um shout out to georgia shout out to kirby man hell of a ball game hey, hey, hey. and shout out to javon bullard my dog <laughs> the one and only <laughs> hey, hey. Had, had to get that in had to get that in um so, yeah, this was a game Ole Miss uh, competed early with their offense. And I, I mean, and I say early, like through like a, a minute in the second quarter. 
um, was when they scored their last touchdown, their last points in the game in general. Um, but I mean, it was clear that UGA's offense was just was just going to have whatever they wanted against Ole Miss's defense all night. Um, and that was early. That was clear early on. Um, UGA, of course, dominated from the second quarter on, and it was. I mean, it was all UGA on the way out. Um, there is a UGA's kind of to your point. UGA's kind of struggling with. You know, from watching Alabama all those years, um, they're struggling with a lot of the same things Alabama uh, struggled with over those years right now. And it's, you know, you go in and you you play a team that you, they're clearly not that they're, they're not really on your tier going into the game. And a lot of people know that. And, you know, that even Vegas kind of shows that by favoring Georgia by 10 or, you know, last week favoring you know, by 14. Um, and, you know, they do go out there and beat them by 30 or 40. And then all of a sudden people say, oh, well, well, the other team's just not that good. Um, uh, that, that's not true. Like, no, Georgia's just that much better than them. And, you know, maybe maybe it's true that Georgia had their best night and Ole Miss may not had a good night. But regardless, Georgia's just the better football team. And like, that's just that is what it is like. It, it doesn't mean Ole Miss is, is bad. No, Georgia's just that much better than them. And um, George is a really good football team, and they showed that once again. Um, they have Tennessee coming up this weekend before finishing up with Tech, and like you said, going to the SEC championship game where they'll see uh, officially see Alabama. Officially. And um, like I've said, man, Kirby Smart is an exceptional head coach, head of a coach, man. And one thing he stands on is we will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. Uh, I I will never forget him saying that on the pre, on the press conference, bro. I I love what he has going on in Athens, man. Yeah, hundred percent, bro. So next contest up Tennessee, I'm uh, I'm ready to put them thumpers on Joe Milton. That's it. Um, and as for Ole Miss, Ole Miss finishes up. They have UL Monroe next week before, of course, finishing up in the Egg Bowl with Mississippi State. Um. And which I where is the egg ball this year? They should crush Mississippi State regardless. Um, but it is in Starkville. Uh so Mississippi State also fired their interim head coach or head coach for the moment. Um, yeah. Uh Mississippi State's having a slew of problems. It's insane that a fifty one to ten victory by A and M led to the firing of both coaches, but here we are. Um Good. So, uh, so, um, you know, wanted to also hit on a few other games just kind of quickly that we didn't get a chance to preview last week. Um, the first one being so 12 p.m. kick, uh, Alabama played Kentucky and Lexington. Um, this was a game that you know, some there's like once again, the re uh, a lot of people, you know, after the game kind of you know, change their perspective on it based on the outcome rather than based on how they felt going into it. And going into the game, I mean, there were a lot of people trying to predict an upset here. Um, I think Kentucky was even like one of the super dogs on on ESPN game day. And, um, you know, there were a lot of people that, you know, were trying to not, I guess, not necessarily pick an upset, but pick that Kentucky would keep this game close and, you know, try and be competitive and remain competitive, you know, well into the second half. Um, you know, and that just that just wasn't the case. Um, Alabama was up 21 to zero um by the time Kentucky had ran four offensive plays. 
Um, it was, I mean, Alabama dominated this game in every every facet um, imaginable. Um, really wasn't, I mean, it wasn't much of a shock to me. Uh, we had we had Bama covering, um, or at least I had Bama covering, which they uh, spread was only like ten or eleven, um, and they they well covered that. So. Um, you know, coming off of the, I think the only only really impressive part of it is coming off of an LSU W and which was your biggest game of the season and played Tennessee a couple weeks before that, the game before that, but they had a bye week in there. Coming off of that stretch of games, um, you know, revenge games, it very much so could have been a letdown spot in Kentucky and, you know, just 11 a.m. kick could have been really ugly, especially with it being on the road. And it just, it wasn't, um, Alabama came out, came out juiced up. Um, Jalen Milrow was running all over the place. Um, so yeah, uh, Bama clinched the SEC West, uh, for the 10th time under Nick Saban. Um, and, uh, they're headed back to Atlanta. If you would have told some people that after the Texas and USF games, they would have called you crazy. Once again, you would not have been called crazy. You would have said that on this show, though. Um, ball knowers only. Ball knowers only. Ballers only. Um, I will say, man, Jalen Milrow Heisman performance. Uh, it is Kentucky, but we're not going to discredit that. This is the SEC. Kentucky's an SEC team. They're competitive. <laughs> um, Jalen Milrow had how many touchdowns? Six total touchdowns? Three on the ground and three through the air? Um, is that more than the LSU game? Yes, he had four four total touchdowns all on the ground against LSU. Bro, so like, come on now, Milro Milro Heisman performance in in um Lexington, Kentucky, dog. They had, um, no, they had no chance. One thing, one thing for just to call out for fun, uh, Jalen Milro does have as many total touchdowns as Michael Penix Jr. does this year. Has, also has um similar yards. I can't remember the yards off the top of my head. Um similar yards, similar QB rating, um, similar total yards, not similar passing yards, similar total yards. Um and then he has he has the same amount. They both have 28 total touchdowns on the season. So um I mean numbers wise, like Milro isn't isn't crazy far off Heisman wise. Milro's in my Heisman list, definitely, bro. Um, I would. I mean, I wouldn't bet on him, nor would I give it to him. I mean, there's. I'm not saying he's worthy. I'm just saying, just want to point that little nugget out. He's a candidate, though. <laughs> um, a dark horse, if you will. <laughs> uh, uh, another another blowout. Um, on Sun on Saturday. Um, this was one we with Tony and I both circles circled. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma State went down to UCF. And just got boat raced. Um, this was this was an ugly game. What was the final score of it? Like uh 45 to 3. I was gonna say 45-14. I was giving them way too much credit. 45 to 3. Um Oklahoma State just got absolutely crushed. John Reese, John Reese Plumley threw for 299 yards and three touchdowns through the air. R.J. Harvey rushed for 206 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. John Reese Plumley added another 74 on the ground. Javon Baker, 112 through the air, through the air. Kobe Hudson, 96 and three touchdowns. Um, yeah, just a, a slew of problems for Oklahoma State. They got absolutely ran out of Orlando for UCF's first ever 
Big 12 victory. First ever, bro. That's that just is embarrassing, bro. Not, not to say that UCF is a bad team because they've had losses this year where they were on the brink of winning um, some, some very close games, like a lot of one-score losses, dog. Talent-wise, this offense is not necessarily loaded, but they have the talent to compete with anybody in the country. Um, it was a rainy game. It was in Florida. You know, it'll rain and stop raining for the next 10, 15 minutes. If you ever, if you ever spend some time in Central Florida or Florida in general, bro, it, it rained like the lights come on and off. <laughs> but, uh, dog, when I tell you that this was some of the most embarrassing football that I've seen, like Oklahoma State's quarterback threw three picks. Um, Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy, he he took the starters out of the game. <laughs> like <laughs> their Heisman Trophy candidate running back put up 25 rushing yards, dog. Um UCF controlled the game from start to finish. Rain, dry, sunshine, and it didn't matter, bro. John Rice Plumley had one of the best games of his college career. And for the longest, um Javon, Javon Baker didn't even have to touch the ball. Like Hudson put up three touchdowns, and R.J. Harper had three. Bro, it was nothing but UCF. They came out in those space U jerseys, um, which are – I like them, but I'm nasty, bro. <laughs> they got a crazy Nike. <laughs> they got a crazy Nike deal in Orlando. <laughs> they nice to rock it with them. Bro, I'm talking about the UCF on all cylinders. Great game. Um, I We can't call it a trap game for Oklahoma State because – I think you could. Well, you could, because it's not a rivalry. It's a conference game. Um, it's something that they definitely didn't think that they were going to lose like that. So not that, not in that fashion, especially coming off the Oklahoma victory. Um, very emotional W against Oklahoma. I will say, uh, I need to fix fix my statement. Uh, forgot UCF did beat Cincinnati last week, so technically that was their first Big Twelve victory. But I mean, those schools were both AAC last year. I don't really consider that. Uh, this was their true actual first true Big Twelve victory, like against an actual Big Twelve team. They, I mean, they played they played Cincinnati every year for like the last how many seasons? That's like whatever. Um, but yeah, so so a huge performance for UCF, especially offensively. Hundred percent. And if you didn't know, Javon Baker is going to play Sunday football. He's like that. So will um, Kobe Hudson and R.J. Harvey. Um, now, John Rice Plumley, he's a dual sport athlete. He plays baseball, too. So I don't know how far he's going to take football. But based off that film, he put up versus Oklahoma State. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> you have a chance. You paid off your film, son. <laughs> My goodness. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State about to be the, the reason I would go to the league. That's crazy. <laughs> you know how sorry you got to be, dog. My goodness, man! Dude, gonna be telling his grand grandkids about that performance. I'm telling you, dog. Personal record book. Um, uh, so another game we want to touch on: Duke UNC game of the day, hands down. Don't care what anybody says. Um, I can't believe this game was on ACC Network for one. That was very disappointing. I had to pull up like an illegal stream. Shout out bus streams. Um, I had to pull up bus streams to to, to get this to get on this one. Um. But yeah, Duke UNC that was that was absolutely um absolutely electric. Yeah, big time letdown for not being on the mainstream network. Come on now, um, we're gonna find a way to watch it. So I, I don't care which. <laughs> <y'all. laughs> 
gonna find a way to watch it. Drake May is just except exceptional dog. He's one of the best college quarterbacks that college football has seen that the ACC has ever seen. I'm gonna just be real with you. Um, I didn't. It, it was gonna be hard to find somebody to top with Sam Howell at UNC, but Mac Brown, Mac Brown done it exceptionally well with recruiting, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And even with Drake May posting 342 passing yards, touchdown. Uh, two rushing touchdowns, bro. Their running back, Omarion Hampton, he really had he really had the biggest uh, performance of the day to me. I think he ran for like 150 yards. Um, I don't know how many touchdowns, but dog, he this was a flashy uh football game. This is kind of how we were predicting the Missouri Tennessee game to go, but um, hey, straight up, but but hey, like come on, bro. Tez Walker, and I just want to say NCAA, y'all dead wrong. <laughs> y'all dead wrong. <laughs> this boy is good. This man is this good. I'm talking about wide receiver one hands down. You got him crying in that practice on the sideline because he know he can't play. He didn't He didn't start the season. He couldn't play the first few games of the year because y'all are not wanting to, wanting to declare him eligible. Bro, Tez Walker, he posted – seven grabs for 162 yards and he's been the number one receiver ever since he's been cleared like this dude can play bro he's a vertical threat i'm talking about deep ball threat as well so unc they have a great offense i'm talking about um lights out showtime offense but with that said duke's backup quarterback because riley leonard didn't play duke's backup he held his own bro four touchdowns bro yep yeah, he bought out. Um, this was yeah, it was a fun game, robbery game. And, I mean, early on in the season, it looked like this was going to have bigger implications in the ACC. Uh, both teams have kind of limped to the finish line, which has been disappointing. Um, but it's still a fun game, still an energetic game. Um, and really, really enjoyed watching it. So, um, next game, USC, Oregon. USC went out to Eugene. Um, I mean, kind of went. I think how most people expected it to go. Definitely. Um, like we we expected USC to lose this game. They've proven that they're not built for a championship tier football this year. Um, even with firing Alex Grinch, he's still you still got the same defensive players to work with for the remainder of the season. I'm just interested to see how Lincoln Riley is going to transition into the next season because it's gotten so bad. It's got so bad in SoCal that he has five-star receiver, true freshman, taking cornerback reps in the game, dog. <laughs> like, this is not that Lincoln, <laughs> bro. That's not First, Travis Hunter. That's not Travis Hunter. <laughs> not Travis Hunter at all, bro. Like, come on. You already barely scraping elite wide receivers when it comes to the receiver court, dog. Like, you got a Caleb Williams and the Raina Heisman Trophy winner who is obviously the best player on that USC team. And they played the best game possible to stick around and, and only lose by 10. Um, but, dog, it is some defensive film from this football game that you need to be get, needs to be put in a how-not-to-play defensive back YouTube tutorial. Um, I'm not going to say any names because, hey, bro, <laughs> I ain't even going to do you like that, bro. Twitter already eating y'all boys up. Um, even people like... 
people like USC alumni have gone out and posted videos saying that whoever's on the defense, you need to go ahead and hang it up, get up out of here. Like they got people saying that defensive players need to pull up a LinkedIn and get on, get on. <laughs> bro so I, bro I, it, it was terrible bro i'm talking about from a technique from a technique standpoint physicality standpoint the defense is not there bro like the secondary is garbage like you got five and four star players who look like they have never played any physical football in their lives bro um from position to to bro oh my goodness everything about coverage Position, technique, leverage, pre-snap leverage. Oh my goodness, bro! Cover this, cover that, man coverage. They don't know how to do that, bro. Like it's not in the bag. And the first two drives, the first two Oregon offensive drives, bro. And when I tell you field day for Bo Nix, it was very clear that he was gonna have his way. He hit. He completed the first two passes of the game for like hundred and seventy yards. <laughs> bro, Troy Franklin had two catches for 147, dog. Like, bro, we in the backyard throwing it up, like, and a touchdown. Um, Tez, Tez, Tez Johnson, bro, what seven grabs and he went over 102. I'm just like, dog, both Knicks had 414 passing yards. No, Bo yeah, yeah, Tez Johnson, you're right, you're right, yeah, bro. Like, what and he didn't like. Troy had two catches for 147. I'm like, wow, bro. Two of them. Like, she was like, I'm just gonna have mine now. Like, whatever. I can go sit down after the second one. That's a day's production, dog. Bro, I'm talking about USC got some terrible defensive film up there, dog. Like, bro, you got corners playing safety, receivers playing corner. That's bad. That's bad. They don't know that. This isn't like like this isn't to be confused with like prime time. Like prime time's in year one. And Travis Hunter's like a special athlete. Not saying Zachariah Branch isn't, but Zach doesn't play defense. Zach can't play both ways. He's not a cornerback. <laughs> like Travis Hunter was a cornerback by trade. And like we've seen guys do that. We ain't never seen the opposite. You can't turn a wide receiver into a DB. You could try to turn a DB into a wide receiver. You might drop a couple balls, but Travis Hunter's not that. You can't turn a wide receiver into a DB. It's not, it's not the same. But I don't care what he played in high school. He was a five-star receiver. And like like Travis Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter was five-star at both positions. Like that that's and if not, he was at ATH. No ATH. Like he was that. He he's always been the guy. <laughs> always been the guy to get the ball in his hands. But uh, Lincoln Raleigh this season has just went down the gutter. Like it's it's been a lot of USC fans um, speaking on the fact that. They've had maybe the best quarterback to come through the school and some of the worst supporting cast. So um it, it just it's gotten it's gotten it's gotten bad down there in, in SoCal, bro. Vermont King, bro. No, they God. they they ready for new, next season, bro. It, it it's bad. But to. as far as Oregon, yeah, like coming from the SEC and with him going to Auburn, Bo Nix has gotten talked about terribly over here, dog. Um, it's nothing personal. When you go to Auburn, you're gonna get talked about, dog. Um, so this is the best football season he's ever played, and he shows signs and glimpses of it last season. But 
Oregon's on to something. They have a great ball club, great ball team, both sides of the ball. Uh, I'm ready to see them in Washington in that Pac-12 championship. I hope both teams win out. I'm really ready to see that rematch, bro. It'll be a great game um, if we get it again. So, yeah, that would um, be an interesting one. Uh, next game, we got TCU versus Texas. This was a good one. Um, TCU ended up losing this game by three, um, but they do. I mean, they mounted a, a crazy effort. Uh, they were down 26 to six going into halftime of this game. Texas kind of sitting in that same boat about uh, uh, that Florida State's in, in which they haven't really, since the Alabama game, oddly enough, they haven't really imposed their will or, or pulled away from, from a lot of teams. Um, I'd say, I mean, they 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 beat beat up on Baylor, they beat up on Kansas at home, but I, I guess rather since that Oklahoma game, they just you know kind of struggled to really you know impose their will on somebody, um, you know, in this game once again. I mean, even last week they were up on Kansas State by what 17-3 at home, and ended up going to overtime. TCU they were up twenty six six going and a half, and you know ended up with a three point win. Um, once again, I mentioned last week that, uh, you know, after during that Kansas State game that I didn't I didn't think Kansas State was going to be, be able to throw the ball around uh, around the field on Texas. And they they were. And I said, if if Texas isn't going to let Will Howard do that, they may have secondary issues and that might plague them down the road. And I mean, sure enough, I mean, they Josh Hoover for TCU. I, I, I warned this. I, I did say TCU can throw the ball around the field. Um, you know, and and that could plague them, and it did. T, T, Hoover threw for over three hundred yards, two touchdowns. Had a receiver, uh, Dominic Williams, go for eleven for one sixty four. Ah, like, Ooh. like Texas just isn't a second half team. Whether they're winning, like they're winning games, definitely, absolutely. And that there is something to that, like to win a a, a big conference game. If we're gonna, like, I I can't stress that enough. We give a team one team credit for it we have to give it to all the teams and i cannot stress that enough there's something to winning games i'm not taking that away from anybody but when you're up 26 uh 26 to 6 or you know 17 3 or um even in the oklahoma game they were up late um and you can't can't get the job done as far as you know whether it's losing against oklahoma late or you know even just letting kansas state and tcu hang around that will come back to bite you. They they go to Ames this weekend against Iowa State. Iowa State's got they still got a path to the Big Twelve Championship with Oklahoma State's loss this week. Like they have, they're very much alive in the Big Twelve Championship race. You can't let that plague you. You got to play sixty minute footballs out here, dog. Straight up, um, I, you hate. I hate to say, like, I'm not a fan of a uh, team just not playing elite or physical ball in the second half. But absolutely, because it's hard. But straight up, it's hard, bro. You got to fight for it. And the other team is here to compete and beat you, especially when they're knowing that you may come out of halftime weaker or with your foot off the gas. And I don't want to say that they take their foot off the gas, but I, the offensive production and the defensive security when it comes to stopping the other team's offense, it, it, it goes out of the window. Um, even when they played Houston at Houston, they were killing Houston going into halftime. And then it ended up being – a game that was lost by Houston on their 
I don't want to say two-minute drill, but, hey, they were trying to walk down the field and they couldn't score. And when it came down to it, and that's how they lose the game, but why is the game in the hands of the other team when you're up by 30-plus or 20-plus? And uh, like you're saying, it's just something you will want to figure out, you're going to need to figure out, especially when there's teams that want the seat that you're sitting in in your conference. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so interesting going forward to see um, how things play out in Texas. They've got Iowa State this weekend, like I said, and then Texas Tech at home next week before the Big 12 championship. So um, we'll see see what goes on there. Um, finally, to wrap up, we've got Clemson and Georgia Tech. Just wanted to touch on this one real quick. Um, Clemson ended up winning this game at home 42 to 21. Um, this was once again, another spot where, um, I, I feel like there's, you know, once again, a recalculation after we've seen the outcome in which going into it, people are like, oh, this could be an interesting game for Clemson. Georgia Tech can very much go in here and win this coming off of a Clemson emotional win against Notre Dame and Clemson for, you know, one of the few times this year, maybe the only time we've seen it in conference play, I think they impose their will on a team, maybe outside of the Syracuse game, they, they actually impose their will on a the team. They, they pulled away, they showed that they were the better team and, um, um, you know, now that you're sitting on the other end of it, people are like, oh, well, Georgia Tech's not that good. Well, I mean, Clemson hasn't had the best season this week, this year. Like this was very much a game that Clemson could have gone out there and lost or, or looked lackaday lackadaisical in, and they just didn't. Um, so credit to Clemson, credit to Dabo Sweeney and uh, the staff for having them ready to go. And um, I think I think it's a good win for Clemson. I think it's a big win for Clemson. Oh, that is a big win. Um, with the season that they're having, they need it, bro. Like we were just saying, they got a gauntlet to finish their year. Um, and they want to become bowl eligible. I, I, did that break? They, they did, yeah. I think that was their sixth win of the year. Um, so I'm pretty yeah. sure they clinched the bowl. Straight up, like you're saying, that's a big win, big deal. They dominated all four quarters. Um, you got to give it to them on both sides of the ball. They had great games. Um, when it comes to Georgia Tech, they 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 damn sure shot themselves in the foot to start the game, and it just went downhill after that. Yeah. It has. They had some big plays that were drops that could have been red zone setting up plays or potential touchdowns. But when it comes to a Georgia Tech team this year, they've kind of been backwards where they have beaten teams they have no business beating and lost to teams they have no business losing to. Um, so it's it's not – I don't want to say it's about time, but, hey, this was due. Clemson needed them. And, uh, hey – Devils team came and they answered the call. Solid football game from Clemson, man. And uh, they, they're kind of playing with more confidence. That's what I felt from that win. They're playing, yeah, they're playing much better ball the past couple of weeks. They feel like they found something. It feels like something's ignited. Maybe it was a, maybe shout out Tyler from Spartanburg. Maybe he was just what they needed. Maybe, maybe he was an insider agent that maybe, maybe Dabo set that whole thing up. Maybe Dabo's just outsmarting everybody. Um, he needed a way to set his team, set up his team. He he might know Tyler from Spartanburg. Um, so uh, yeah, nah. Haynes King four interceptions. Kate Klubnik uh, four touchdowns. There's there's your game right there. Uh, so that that'll wrap up. You know, it's kind of our talk about week eleven. Um, and move on to. Uh, I know Tone had some some things he wanted to address in the Heisman and playoff races. So uh, you want to go ahead and get into that, Tone. Definitely, definitely. Um, I'm going I'm to just address the playoff breakdowns first. So I'm going to leave it as this. I'm going to leave it at this, bro. Two simple breakdowns, two final fours I got for you. I think going into, what is this, week 12, week 13, 
week 12. Going into week 12, my outlook on the final four is either finishes two ways. You got a Michigan one seed, Georgia two seed, Washington three seed, or Texas four seed, where Washington wins out, Florida State loses to Florida, um, Bama loses to Georgia and the SEC, um, and Texas wins out and wins the Big 12, and Michigan wins out and wins the Big 10. Or you have a Ohio State at number one, uh, Florida State at number two, or Oregon at three, and a Bama at four, where Bama beats Georgia in the SEC, where Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12, where Michigan is ran off by Ohio State, and Ohio State wins the Big Ten, and Florida State wins out. Simple as that. Um, and those are my only two uh, college football playoff breakdowns or scenarios that I wanted to bring the light I bring to the table. I think it could either finish one of those two ways. Um, but then again, there's also there's a there's still speculation around the playoff where it could definitely finish in a different order. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like that second one you bring up because, I mean, it brings up for conversation. It's like who would the committee take down? Because, um, you know, to your point, Michigan and FSU would be shoe wins if they go undefeated and run the table. But you've got those last two spots that would come down to, you know, one lost conference champs in Oregon, Bama and Texas. So who what two teams would they take out of those three? Um, and I think it'd be interesting. I think I don't I struggle to see if they how they would justify taking Bama over Texas um, with Texas having the head to head victory. Um, and it, it'd be really interesting to see, like they could, there is a route they could. I mean, I think at, since then Alabama has the better resume since then Alabama's looked like the better team, um, coming down the stretch. And if they do it, they come off a victory and, uh, against Georgia. And especially if it's like a convincing victory, which is doubtful, of course, but, um, in the, in the scenario that it is, uh, I mean, it would be, you know, very likely for them to be able to justify, um, justify taking Alabama over Texas despite the head-to-head but I would be interested if they would be bold enough to do it definitely definitely and like I'm saying there's still speculation around the scenarios and how the final four could fall but hey like I know a lot of people in the college football world outside of the SEC and Big Ten they don't want to see two Big Ten teams they don't want to see two SEC uh teams but it, there is still scenarios where there could be a Georgia and a Bama or there could be a, I don't want to say Michigan and Ohio State because one's going to cancel out the other, but one of those are definitely going to make it in. Um, Florida State, like we're saying, if they lose in the ACC if, or they lose to a Florida, a Florida team, they will not be anywhere near the Final Four. So um, it is a case where Georgia and Bama could make it, whether it's button up at three or four or or um somebody being high and somebody being low, depending on how Florida State finishes their season and how the Pac-12 and Big 12 champion also finishes. Um, but really, like hey, it's it's time for the movie scene now, bro. Popcorn about to get popped. This is almost back and watch, bro. Right. We've got uh, a lighter week in college football this week. Um, you know, conferences like for, well, I say conferences, really just the SEC. The SEC doesn't play nine conference games for whatever reason. So this week, most of the teams in the SEC are playing cupcakes, um, except for Georgia and Tennessee. Um, but 
uh, yeah, most of the games around the SEC this week are kind of weak, um, you know, and around the country, it's just you know, a lot of lighter, still very interesting, compelling matchups, but then you have rivalry week, um, which always brings the heat. So a uh, fun two weeks set up for us. Um, as far as Heisman talks, you want to get into that, Tom? Definitely, definitely. So when it comes to my Heisman list or my Heisman candidates, um, they're all quarterbacks. Uh, I had an Ali Gordon or Marv Harrison lingering around, but like I, I'm just not comfortable with having those with having those names in the candidate list. Just because like we saw uh, Devontae Smith win the Heisman uh for Alabama with Steve Sark's offense and his numbers were kind of out of this world. Like it was yards in 13 games. Like come on now, eighteen hundred yards, dog. So um, I'm I'm just not comfortable with putting the Marv up there just because he's the prototype. Now I understand Marv is a freak and he can do things that a lot of people can't, and, and he's one of the best receivers to come through from a pro eye and 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 scouting perspective. He is gonna be a top two draft pick, if not top three, which is kind of harsh. I, I really think he could go number one if it wasn't for Drake May and the Caleb Williams, but um. You know, he's a franchise receiver day one. <laughs> but when it comes to the college football season this year, I think it just has to be surrounding the names of Mike Penix Jr., uh, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels, um, Carson Beck, and Milrow. Really, bro, that's what, that's what I think it comes down to. Um, like we were saying, Ali Gordon got held at 25 yards versus UCF. It just That, that just isn't going to sit too well, bro. Um, and – from the looks of receivers, it's a receiver deep class this year when it comes to the NFL draft and even when it comes to uh, standout numbers um, in the college football season. Like we're saying, the vertical aspect of football, the passing game is more emphasized than ever before. And now Marv is a do-it-all three-level receiver with with the frame, with the height, with the weight that is kind of unmatched and unguardable to a point if you want to scheme him in as a no matter what we're going to have him touch the ball threat um I just don't think the Heisman Trophy is going to be calling on him enough I when it comes to somebody like a uh, Mike Penix, Bo Nix, Milrow, Beck like these these guys are the centerpieces for their team and um I don't want to say they're called on a lot more, but bro, it's a lot more weighing on their production than a little bit. Like at the receiver position, you can be the best guy in the country. You can be that man and still be limited to your production due to quarterback play or or due to quarterback inefficiencies or even play calling, bro. So um like we love Marvin. Marvin is, I'm talking about a generational talent and not just a vague statement when we say that. That is a true statement, bold statement, highly respectable statement. Um, And he's 2.0. He's better than his dad was when it comes to an amateur phase of his career. And even when it comes to being looked at as a pro scout or as a pro. So we are in tune and we're going we're gonna to stay in tune to see how good and how great Marv turns out when it comes to being a football player and a professional football player. But, hey, like I say, I'm going to say it again. Penix Jr., Knicks, Jaden Daniels, Carson Beck, Milrow, I think those are the Heisman candidates in this college football season. I got you. I got you. Now I like that list. I think um, for me personally, my front runner 
would probably right now, I mean, I hear the argument that I think they've lost three games on the year. Um, or is it not four? No, three games on the year. But I like Jaden Daniels. I just think you can't really argue with his numbers right now. Um, coming off a game in which he just threw for 372 yards and three touchdowns, and then also had an additional 234 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Um, just absolutely carrying um all back. But no, no, literally, like it, it it's ridiculous. His um his numbers on the year right now total three thousand um 164 yards, 30 touchdowns, only four interceptions. Like he's taking care of the ball. Um, and then he's also got 918 yards on the ground, almost a thousand. He's probably gonna end the season with a thousand rushing yards, eight touchdowns, two fumbles. Um, I just like I, I hear the argument that maybe LSU is not necessarily in title contention, but like if we're going straight best player in college football this season, um, you know, the MVP of your football team, I think my front runner would probably be Jaden Daniels. I just um, and, and like if you if you want to have if you have a list that, you know, mainly is just comprised of your team being contenders. I mean, I hear that like the Heisman is a prestigious award and I get that. Um but me personally, I just I can't ignore that. You go in over three thousand on the on the uh, through the air, and uh, probably like I said, over a thousand on the ground. I mean, that's just he's gonna yeah. break. The- he's gonna get that. He'll probably get that this weekend. I mean, he needs what eighty two yards. Like, come on, he'll probably get we're playing Georgia State this weekend. Stepping <laughs> the camp, my goodness. <laughs> we saw Georgia State play Georgia Southern. They're not. They're not gonna have a chance. They're in person for that game. Georgia State and Georgia State has like been broken since then. Georgia State's lost all of their games since then. They got stomped by Georgia Southern 44-27. Then James Madison came through, beat them 42-14. And then Appalachian State came through and also beat them 42-14 over the weekend. So um they yeah they've been spiraling since that Georgia Southern game. So um Jaden Daniels, I mean he could hit the eleven hundred mark. <laughs> We're talking about a thousand. <laughs> He's gonna hit eleven hundred on Saturday. <laughs> oh boy, three hundred yards through the air is a given. Neighbors is about to absolutely break the defense. I mean, like, listen to this. He rushing. Listen to LSU's rushing numbers this year. Jaden Daniels has nine hundred and eighteen yards, averaging eight point five yards per eight point zero five yards per carry. The, yes. the next leading rusher on LSU's football team is John Emery Jr. He has one hundred and twenty rushing yards. On what, bro? So they don't have a bag. Like what is this? They don't have a back. Tony, 120 rushing yards all the year. Jada Daniels has has almost nine times that. <laughs> and eight yards per carry. Like, what? Yeah, he yeah, has almost 10 times that. What am I talking about? Oh. So, so yeah, uh, he, yeah. I just, I cannot deny Jaden Daniels right now. And um, anybody that knows the pod knows we were, before the pod was even around, vouching for... Jaden Daniels, when he was at Arizona State, um, never thought he turned into what he's turned into at LSU. But um, a great situation over there for him, and I really like him in the Heisman. I respect that pick a lot, bro. Like you're saying, you can't argue with his numbers. You can't argue with the impact he has on that LSU team. And for that offense, he makes them better straight up, bro. And uh, the, the progress that he's made from year one, like he graduated high school with the same class as us in 2019, He's he's grown tremendously as a quarterback. Um, obviously, leadership isn't necessarily a problem for him. 
Um, the boys like to play for him or with him. He can throw the ball like God. Like he can make all the throws, deep balls. I wouldn't mind the Falcons taking a look at him in April. <laughs> hey, oh, he can make the throws. Ask him what he land on. I'll take it. I'm telling you, dog. It can't be no worse than the situation we in right now. I'm telling you now, bro. So, ain't <laughs> <laughs> hey, much worse than that. I'm yeah. telling you. Hey, shout out Jaden Daniels and uh, shout out the rest of these guys that we listed in the Heisman race, dog. Um, I wanted to say one more thing just about week 11 and the big time performers. I just got a little list, dog. Uh, big time performers of the week Cody Schrader, Marv Harrison Jr., Blake Corm, Penix Jr., Milrow, RJ Harvey, uh, John Rice Plumley, Dylan Gabriel uh, for Oklahoma. I think he threw for like 400 and a half, five all purpose studies. And uh, like I'm saying, Omarion Hampton in North Carolina, bro. I just, I just wanted to shout them out real quick. Love it. Ballers of the week. Ballers of the week. Ballers of the week. Um, I know at the top of the show we mentioned Jimbo Fisher. Uh, as seeing as we're already at an hour and a half, we don't want to. I don't want to talk your heads off. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll be back with Jimbo Fisher. We'll still we'll lead off uh Thursday's show with Jimbo Fisher. Um. Before we get into our week twelve re- uh, predictions, um, you know we we I, I got we got some thoughts on that. I want to make sure that you get them all, so that'll probably be better anyways than giving it to you raw and unfiltered. Uh, so yeah, we will we'll lead off the next show with that. Um, the tone that you you got anything else? Hey man, there was a lot of big game, big time performances this past weekend. We hate that it's only two more weeks of the regular season. Feels um, like. It so fast every year well it flies by every single year dog um but yeah we will be back next episode leading off with the jimbo firing from a&m um probably speculation of who they would potentially hire um and predictions for these week 12 matchups man y'all need to hold it down and tap into some college football Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we will. Uh, yeah, there's action in between now and Thursday. So, uh, you know, if you're listening to this show, once again, I'm sure you're watching action. So we we, we, we we respect you. We salute you. And we appreciate you. And we will catch you next time. And hey, y'all hold it down, man. Yes, sir.